you wish plastic pollution would magically disappear, wave your wand and everyone is buying secondhand, Alakazam and recycling is demystified. We do. Your hosts, Oakley J. Fast, a chemical engineer, and Sarah Fuentes, a waste and recycling expert, are here to demystify the circular economy. Welcome to Trash Magic. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Trash Magic. Today we're talking with Andy Smerick. He's the founder and CEO of Blue Terra and Clementine Curbside, working to completely change the way you interact with waste at its main source, your home. Andy founded Blue Terra in 2020 during a time of unprecedented recycling contamination. We've talked a lot about that on the show. And Clementine Curbside started as an in-house hauling laboratory but has blossomed into its own compost hauling operation. He has his own truck, you guys. (laughs) Andy has been passionate about recycling his entire life, picking up aluminum cans as a toddler and transforming the family barn into a scrap metal sorting facility in his teens. He's excited to bring his passion of sustainability and innovation to the world by making zero waste easy, fun, and data-driven. Welcome, Andy. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. I'm so excited too, especially since we met in the weirdest way. (laughs) Um, We were flying from Denver to Las Vegas for the Waste Expo, and we just happened to sit next to each other. I think it was a Southwest flight too, so it was really random. (laughs) It was was a great flight. So lots of good conversation, and I even got a fun little game out of it as well. (laughs) I was playing, I don't think anybody's heard of this, but it's (laughs) nanograms. It's like, you know, it's a Japanese game and I became obsessed with it from another obsession of mine, which is Nancy Drew. Anyway, y'all don't don't need to know about that. Don't don't start the game. Don't even look it up because you might get addicted as well. (laughs) Are you addicted to it? (laughs) That's a very high possibility of that. We, we won't go into what level I am right now, but. Oh my God. Okay. Well, that makes my heart very happy. Um, but Hey, we're here to talk about waste. And it was so exciting when I met you on the plane to hear about Clementine, because what y'all do is you give people these answers of, Hey, like, where does my waste really go? And at the time you were doing four streams, you were doing recycling and compost, but now you're focused back just on compost for now. So um, let's go back to your beginning. You've always had this passion for trash, as we heard in your intro. What was your final push to create your own company in this space? Why, why trash? Why now for you? So dialing back during the COVID, during the pandemic and what I kept hearing from a lot of folks, just people that I know in the recycling industry, was that contamination was running rampant and municipalities were shutting down. And so I started doing some digging and reached out to some recycling facilities and found out this to actually be the case. And they also started describing the confusion, especially with bagged recyclables. And you know, I have some good friends here in Morrison, Colorado, And I talked to them and they have been bagging their recycling for the last 10 years. Mm. And they are very meticulous about cleaning out their plastic butter tubs and recycling everything correctly. But for the last 10 years, all of their recycling has gone into the landfill. And because at the MRF, that's the first thing that happens with most places is the, the bagged 
products go off to the side. They could be bags of trash. It's just not safe to break them open. And so to break the news to them that all of their recycling was gone, all of the work over 10 years, a decade, and they had no idea. They had no mm. idea. And, and in my neighborhood, I've seen plenty of bagged recycling in carts as well. And I couldn't find anyone trying to fix it, especially on, on a big scale. And it absolutely crushed me. It broke my heart. And um, being from the tech side and the tech space, there's just a complete sort of um, lack of connection usually with the industry itself and the customer. So the customers don't you know, usually feel supported. So yeah, that experience really pushed me to, to dive in and to figure out a different way to approach this. Oh, that must have been devastating to hear that just because they were putting their recycling in a bag, it was going to the landfill. So Oakley, they put their recycling in a bag because the wind comes down the mountains, the front range right there, and it blows the carts over. And so it would spread out recycling everywhere. They thought they were improving collection and the system by bagging it. Hmm. They thought they were doing something better, taking an extra step. Oh, so. Yeah. It still crushes me to even think about how many recycling collections and how much love went into those recyclable products. Right. And God, that is so hard. And just for the audience, again, you know, those plastic film bags get stuck in the gears in the uh, recycling facility. And also, like you said, it's dangerous for them to open the bags to see what's in it. It might as well be trash. Oh, that is so hard. But you, unlike most people, actually did something about it, which is so awesome. So tell us more about Clementine. You know, what does Clementine do today in this moment? Because I know it's transformed even since we've met. So tell us what Clementine does now. You're right. So it has evolved. And, and Clementine kind of started as an internal test project of sorts, sort of something we can throw at the wall and see what sticks. Because uh, a lot of municipalities, you know, would talk to us about these problems, but they would say, where have these solutions worked at before? Show us data. And so we're like, well, we got a couple trucks, drove them back from California, um, put up an app and a little platform and started hauling those four streams. But uh, we quickly found out it's, it's, you know, hauling is tough. It's hard. It is a difficult business. And, you know, just props to everyone in the industry that is out there every day uh, collecting these materials and keeping our society running and humming along as it is. We are extremely lucky to have you. It is a hard business. And especially if you don't have efficiencies, it, it becomes very financially difficult. So we did end up scaling back to compost only, particularly because many areas out here do not have compost today. So it was kind of more of a, adding a, an add-on service for many folks out here. And we were still able to run experiments specifically like with regards to uh, behavior change, gamification, and introducing completely new digital tool sets that we can wrap around the experience for people. So if I was a customer, how would you describe your interaction with Clementine? Like, what is my experience like? How does the, how does it work? So your experience, I would describe with Clementine, it's, it's very personal and it's today very text message based. As soon as you sign up, we're texting you for your cart delivery. We're texting you when we're coming by. We're texting you how to improve your composting habits. Con contamination is actually even worse for the compost stream out here. So um, we, we do log everyone's contamination in their carts. We give you helpful hints and reminders there. 
Um, we also weigh every stream that comes in. So there starts to be gamification components that we're adding into it, some of which include, you know, each after each collection day, you get a text message and we'll say, Oakley, like you diverted 50 pounds, you know, from the landfill today. And it's, you know, X many pounds of CO2. And then we'll add a fun stat in there. So it could be how many tomatoes could be grown with the compost or how many miles of driving, but something that you can wrap your head around. Because sometimes um, CO2 and pounds of CO2 is hard to grasp for many folks, like what that means. And so on top of that, we started doing some ranking of people, and that can be in your neighborhood and in your city. And we've really seen that the feedback, the positive feedback from people's impacts text messages has just really gone through the roof. And that was unexpected, but it was a very very insightful for us. And then people started texting us back. So, so now <laughs> it's become a very much a two-way street. So folks will start texting us a picture of, can I compost this? Some even ask us if they can recycle that. And we don't, you know, don't even do recycling, but we're still helping out with that. So it, it's kind of like a Siri for composting or for recycling as well. Oh my God, that is excellent. Cause I know there is such a craving for transparency. You know, people just going back to your friends and Morrison example, they want to know that their recycling is making it. And if they're doing something wrong, they want to know what it is. So there is such a huge craving for this. And it's amazing that you've started it. I kind of want to jump to this question about, you know, is it possible for the rest of the industry to adopt this transparency and this texting and this how much you've diverted or if you're contaminating you know, if you could wave your magic wand, is this the vision, your vision for the trash industry? And how can we get people more of the industry to adopt this? With the tools that are available today and sort of the, how easy technology is to scale, I think it is absolutely possible. And there are also different layers and phases to this as well. So many people even ask us to start, where does my recycling go? Where does my composting go? You know, that's just a simple step of transparency, of showing people where their items go and what happens to them. And a lot of people don't get that today. So uh, we have actually had a lot of people ask, you know, does my recycling really go where they say it's going? Or what about, you know, compost? What's the facility's name? Where is it at? How long does it take? Can I get some of the compost back? And so that is a great uh, first step is just letting people know what are those endpoints, what are those end markets, and how is it happening. And if there's any way to do that more or less in real time, that's even better. So we do that with text messaging. So we'll say, you know, like today your compost ended up at A1 Organics, or, you know, we just dumped your compost in the dirt at A1 Organics, right? <laughs> or it was just shredded up and mulched. And, and that does people give people a better feeling about the habits that they're building. So going back to just the building a better customer experience, a better user experience, that itself gives people confidence in your company and the services that you do. So if, if we can even introduce a better customer experience, even if it's just you know, text message assistance, recycling assistance, composting assistance, people latch onto that and they will have a much more positive and exciting attachment to your company. Mm, yeah, totally. I completely agree. It would be great to have this everywhere that you could text your hauler at any time, you know, or that you at least get a notification that they're coming or they're not coming. I think people would love that. So you mentioned gamification that you can kind of compete mm -hmm. with your neighbors. So why does gamification work? Why did you take this strategy? Yes. 
So gamification, I mean, I grew up playing video games on Nintendo, so I, I love games to begin with. But gamification has been so interesting to see how it's impacted industries and areas that were traditionally pretty difficult to get humans to want to do things. <laughs> so like, for example, you know, working out or going to the gym, there's a lot of gamification that's built around that. Also, uh, learning languages. If anyone has any questions about gamification, just download Duolingo. I'm not in, you know, endorsing them or anything, but they ha- they've run hundreds of experiments every year. And there's, there's different sort of aspects and, and layers to gamification. But you know, one of the most basic things is it gives sort of the, the person or the user a sense of control. Mm. And as we as humans, we love that sense of control. You have an idea of kind of where you're standing at in that little mini universe. So for example, if I say, you know, Oakley, you're a level, you know, four out of 100 recycler or something right? that. You're like, oh man, like I have some work, I have some work to go. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you have an idea that there's a lot of improvement that can be made. Right. And, and you might wonder, oh, well, I wonder what level my neighbor is. Right. Um, And you start thinking about those things, but it kind of gives you, it can give you an idea of of a baseline where you're at, uh, gives you some um, hope and control over that of that progress, but it can also give you a sense of achievement. We love achieving things, and so unlocking a new level or showing how uh, much CO two you actually diverted it helps reinforce good behavior. And this is like one of the key components of gamification is you have to really understand what you're incentivizing here. So, like for example, if you say we're just going to incentivize people having heavy compost carts or recycling carts. Right. Well, now people are dumping in tons of soil, you know, right. like loading up your cart. They're digging up their yard to fill up their <laughs> cart. <laughs> and, you know, aside from from holes that aren't good in yards and HOA is getting mad at you, um, there's uh, that's not the right way. That's not exactly what we want to incentivize. So so there are some boundaries around that. And that's where contamination identification really comes in, especially when you gamify recycling, because you don't want people throwing in their things that should not be in there. And, and then there's, of course, there's competition, you know, there's, there's teamwork, there's collaboration. So you can, you know, pit neighborhoods against each other in a certain city or area. Um, you can see you're standing in certain neighborhoods. There's a lot of things that you can do with gamification that we're, that we're really seeing people picking up on. So that's extremely exciting. Oh my God. You just gave me such a realization. I understood that people loved games. I'm like, of course, like that makes sense. But this sense of control and your standing And because the world of recycling is so opaque, it is such a black box for the majority of people. Like I put it in the bin. I don't know what happens to it. Can we, yeah, I I just want to open up that black box a little bit um, because that is one of the exact things we found. Like you hit the nail on the head right there. So, so we found that there are usually about three components to it. So we call it um, sort of the what, why, and the where. So the what is, am I actually putting in the right items? Is it supposed to be going in there? The how is, what am I supposed to do? Do I pull off the soap dispenser pump? You know, how does that work? Do I wipe out the butter tub? Did I, do I rinse it out? Is it bad that I just used fresh water for that? And, and then um, the where is, you know, are the transparency, where are things actually going? And so those are like the three really big components of that black box. But you were exactly right. People have even used that term with us several times. So. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. It says it's a black box, like a black trash bag. And Sarah and I hate black trash bags. You can't see what's in it. <laughs> so, nope. And Sarah's my co-host who unfortunately couldn't make it today for anybody who doesn't know. But anyway, yeah, that, that was such a realization for me that gamification can be used to eliminate that black box and make make everything more transparent. Right. Do you mind if I tell you a quick uh, story that, or a, I guess an experience we had with gamification? I would love to hear. Tell me more. So we were doing full service hauling out in Boulder, Colorado for a bit. And we were ranking people sometimes on the recycling stream specifically. So how many pounds of recycling did they have? We collected it every other week. And so we we ranked people one, one week and the specific lady, very super nice lady, she got second place in the city of Boulder that week. So that's, that's what her text said. It was like, congrats, like, you mm-hmm. know, you... You made second place on the podium, you know, in Boulder today with your uh, recycling waste diversion. And she immediately texted back and was like, oh, I wonder who got first place. (laughs) And and, um, what was super funny is then, you know, when we came back two weeks later, her recycling cart was overflowing. I mean, it was... Because recycling is unlimited in Boulder, and I don't know where she found all this recycling. Oh, right. at. She probably took it from the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> she she might have stolen it. I don't know. I don't know. But so um, she definitely she made sure that she earned the top spot that next week for wow. recycling, and she did. And she was super excited to get that text message that she got first place. But you know, we've seen that happen a few times, and we've come to realize, you know, Americans are pretty competitive. Mm. And, and competition is, is a great way to drive, uh, sustainable habits that you want people to adopt. And, um, so that was, a yeah, it was a very eye-opening experience the first time seeing that. I love that you mentioned the boundaries or limits of gamification too, which maybe, you know, this is one of them where it's like, okay, well, where is she getting the recycling or putting soil in the compost bin? So competition drives some really great habits. And then it's good to like also monitor when it's going a certain direction or if somebody is contaminating. So I'm so glad that you're aware of that and account for that as well with Clementine. Absolutely. And it does have to be sort of a multifaceted approach right there to, to sort of, and, and it's a, it's a progress over time. So when you try it, you will find these edge cases that pop up and you may have to adjust, you know, your structure going forward, but we do have some really exciting plans, I think for next year to introduce it's an interesting gamification component. I mean, I will maybe just drop a hint and say it's maybe a, of a lottery style system, but you have to meet certain criteria in order to be eligible. So, you know, contamination would disqualify you that month, mm. for example. Right. So um, there's, we found a subset of folks, you know, will, will sort of put the effort in to reduce contamination because they really care. You know, maybe that's 25 to 40% of people, depending upon your location, but how do you get everyone else on board? Mm -hmm. And so we have some experiments yet to run that we're super excited about. Cool. I'm super excited to hear about that too. And we'll give you all an update in the audience. So few final questions for you, Andy. You're on the podcast called Trash Magic, and we describe Trash Magic as creating something beautiful and new out of something that somebody thought was waste or even meeting somebody through a community pickup. There is magic in trash. There's magic in what people think is disposable. So what is your experience of trash magic? Yeah. So thinking about trash magic, there there's so many magical, interesting things and great people that we have met 
this industry is just nothing short of amazing. I mean, you, the people you meet every day just really reinforce why I'm here in, in the first place. But I would say we had a roller coaster of an experience this past summer. It was one of the most heart-wrenching moments I've ever had. Our main truck that we bought, it went down five times. So we had nine major systems on the truck fail continuously. And so we were trying to haul out of a landscaping trailer, trying to rent a truck, trying to find everything just to make ends meet. And it was hot and it, you know, what compost does in the summertime sometimes. And so um, it was very difficult to get through that. So we were actually about to pull the plug on Clementine itself. And we were going to, you know, just say, maybe we should just focus on the software and, and stop the hauling side. But, but Clementine has been growing organically. So you know, just <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, it has been growing organically and people have been inviting other people and it's been growing and growing into its own living, breathing entity. And so when we we actually did. We, we informed about 25% of our customer base via text message that, hey, this week is your last week of collection with Clementine. We're shutting it down. We can't make ends meet anymore with it. We don't, all the money that we have saved up to buy a new truck, it's gone. And we, we spent it on the old truck. We tried to fix everything. There's still several items that need to be fixed and it, we're just not going to make it to the finish line there. And within minutes, I mean, like literally 60 to 90 seconds, we had dozens of text messages coming back in from people and people were saying, no, like we're not going to let this happen. Like we need a company like this. We need Clementine to survive. We need you guys to grow. What will it take? Start a GoFundMe. Like, what do you need? Do you need advice on where to get a new truck? Do you need a mechanic? Do you need, what resources do you need? And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it went, you know, in the span of, say 30 minutes of convinced that I was going to have to end Clementine, something that I was really passionate about to, wow, I think Clementine's going to come out of this stronger wow. you know, be, because of people and because of the support out there. So that's, that's one thing that I don't think we see enough today, especially in social media is just that hope in the world and how awesome people are. And so I, Clementine would not be here today if it wasn't for our customers and if it wasn't for people that care about sustainability. So um, thank you all for, for caring. Wow. What an incredible story that really touched my heart. And it really goes to show what a desire there is to connect with the circular economy and to, to help the planet. You know, I really think that that's the, that is the root of all of this. So how amazing. I bet that was such a roller coaster from tears of sadness to joy. That's they were all tears. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah, lots all of tears, tears <laughs> of all kinds. So I know that people are very excited to find out more about Clementine. Maybe they even want the service. I know that you're only in a certain area. So can you tell the audience where you're operating and also where people can find you on the internet? Absolutely. So today we're mainly in Colorado. So we are on the edge of Boulder, Westminster, Erie, Northern Nevada, and we're just opening up Broomfield. We have a lot of exciting plans. And so people can go to our website, clementinecurbside.com. So that is just like the fruit. 
And um, on there, there is a little info fill out form and we would love to hear from you. So where do you want service at? What would be interesting? Do you have other great ideas? I'm always open to, to chatting about new ideas and how to make this more exciting because you know this all revolves around people. And so getting people excited and supporting people. We do have an Instagram as well, Clementine Curbside. Um, so you can find us on there and some of our content on there. But we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear if you have any ideas. Fantastic. And finally, to round it out, what is your one call to action for our audience? So I thought about this and I would normally say <laughs> composting, like start composting. But the sort of looking at the state that our, our world is in today and where our culture is at, I've really come as I've gotten older to believe that love is at the root of everything worth fighting for in this world. So wherever, whenever you can, try to spread just a little bit of love into the world. I mean, we all share the same planet, the same air, the same streets. So smile at someone today. You know, let someone merge in front of you on the highway. And maybe even say, you know, hi to your waste driver right? Or even one that's, you know, collecting um, dumpsters in the parking lot of whatever store you're at. So it makes a big difference. And life is short. And the little things we do can have rippling effects to improve the short experience that we have here together. So if I had Mm -hmm. one thing to ask, it's just if you, when you can, just do something kind. So well said. Andy Smerick, everyone from Clementine. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today. Thank you so, so much. It was an absolute pleasure to talk trash with you and uh, (laughs) always open to it again anytime. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find us on Instagram at trashmagic underscore podcast. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Smart Waste. Smart stands for save money and reduce trash. Our values are people, circularity, and transparency. We can help you save money while reducing your landfill waste. Find us at smartwasteusa.com. See you next week.